Hey guys and welcome back to yet another episode of When I Was 13. As we all know, we are in a serious pandemic right now and our best saviors are all the medical professionals who are working day and night to protect us. So as a big thank you to all those medical professionals who are being our soldiers to protect us from this virus, I interviewed Dr. Purba Gupta who specializes in infectious diseases of patients. In this episode, we will be talking about how Purba started in a small town called Chai Basa and how she went to the US to work at the renowned John Hopkins University. We will also talk about the future of this virus and the possible outcomes when the pandemic will end. So let's hop on into a time machine to meet Purba in 1989 in Chai Basa when she was 13. and thank you so much for being on my show when I was 13. So let's begin with a quick introduction of yourself in terms of what you do currently and what do you like to do when you have some free time to yourself. Arushi, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to your show. So I am a doctor and I um, specialize in infectious disease. Mm-hmm. Patients who've had organ or bone marrow transplant. So okay basically involves managing very sick and complex patients. Mm -hmm. I initially trained at uh, Lady Harding Medical College in Delhi and then uh, went on to Safdarjung Hospital also in Delhi. And then we moved to US Mm -hmm. uh, where I initially trained in uh, New York uh, Mm -hmm. for Medicine and Infectious Disease Fellowship. Then um, I was in practice for a few years before um, going on to Johns Hopkins for more advanced fellowship in transplant and oncology infectious disease. Mm -hmm. Um, I also worked there as an attending physician um, Mm -hmm. before moving on to University of Rochester where I am currently a faculty. So, you know, like... For every uh, physician, the profession is very demanding um, Mm. in terms of the time involved and the complexity of patients, and it keeps me quite busy. I'm also a mother of two girls, 12 Mm -hmm. and 10, and my younger one is in the autism spectrum, so Mm -hmm. there hardly is much time. Mm-hmm. But if there is any free time, I like to read books or watch a movie and mm-hmm. I'm big time on tea and coffee. So with that in hand, I also like to catch up with family or friends over phone or meet up, which mm-hmm. is even better. Yeah. Yeah. I like to travel. I like seeing um, ancient architecture and mm-hmm. that really makes me very happy. And um Sometimes just sleep and do nothing. Do nothing is actually very rare. So, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. So, now we're going to hop back into a time machine and go back to the time when you were 13. So, do you remember what year it was then? Yeah, um, seems like ages ago, but it was 1989. Okay. So, what town or city were you in when you were 13? So, Arushia was born and lived in um, early part of my life, Chaibasa. This is in East India. It is a small town in um, Jharkhand. And yeah. um, this is actually a very old town. It was mm-hmm. 
established in the 1800s mm-hmm. and um, the population is very small less than a lakh and it's actually surrounded by many tribal villages um, and mm-hmm. um, there are lots of hills and forests um the population is actually mixed and the community is very close knit with deep ties and you know it's a small town so everyone knows everyone mm-hmm. and um i want to say that it's very lively and vibrant even mm-hmm. though small and um, i don't know if you've read malguri days but yeah. you have right yeah. so it's like the malguri of east india oh and yeah and uh, i just feel so rooted there um and you know growing up in chaibasa uh, provided me with um, those small town values you know mm-hmm. that help you immensely growing up and that have helped me immensely to date so mm-hmm. i just feel so much rooted and attached to that place so i myself have been living in gurgaon since i was a year old and i've been in the same school for a really long time and yeah. if if my parents were to go somewhere or transfer somewhere i would not want that because you know i'd be changing my school i'd be leaving my friends behind so were you mm-hmm. involved throughout uh, or did you keep on changing your school so surprisingly even though i stayed in one i mean i grew up in just one place but mm-hmm. i actually studied in many schools i studied in four schools to be more specific and i actually do agree with you that you lose out on your old friends by yeah. changing schools yeah. um and you know especially in that time and era you know back in 1980s when there was no mobile phone no social media and you mm-hmm. did lose out on friends yeah and uh, making new friends uh, was not difficult in the earlier part you mm-hmm. know but it was difficult in class 11 mm-hmm. when i moved to uh, delhi because that was a much larger shift for me mm-hmm. so i i think that studying in the same school versus changing school is uh, you know both have their own plus and minus and different mm-hmm. people may have different um, opinions and um, mm-hmm. if you ask me um, i think changing school exposes you to diverse group of teachers and yeah. friends and gives you a different perspective and enriches your experience and provides more opportunity for growth but this is completely my opinion and you know it may work out differently for different people uh, i did not see it uh, see it as a disadvantage and for me it was a necessity at that time my parents okay. felt that the school i was moving to was better than the previous mm. one and uh, it kind of worked out well that's nice that's nice yeah it has its own plus and minus i think yeah so as you mentioned earlier you grew up in a small town chaibasa and jhapur and i've heard mm-hmm. a little about it because of my dad and He also told me that both of you went to the same school. So, yeah. at the time when you were in school in Chaibasa, did you think that you would study medicine, shift to the US, work with like renowned institutions like John Hopkins? And how does it feel when you look back to uh, when you went to? So no. So when I was in school in nine or ten, mm-hmm. you know, I had absolutely no idea of what I was going to do. <laughs> I was always a good student, but. i had no clue about a career path then mm. 
So I actually never thought so much ahead of time and uh, life was never that planned. Okay. Um, so all I knew was of the immediate next step and then things just kept happening mm-hmm. um, thereafter. So when I was in ninth or 10th, all I knew was that I was going to go to Delhi for uh, grades 11th and 12th. Okay. And at that time, you know, studying in Delhi itself was considered a big achievement. You had to pass an entrance exam. Yeah. And the uh, decision to study medicine came in 11 and um, there wasn't any turning point or there wasn't any role model. It just happened. And uh, I think it was just destiny. I mean, I don't remember any particular incident that mm-hmm. made me do it. When I was studying medicine, I had absolutely no pre-plans to move to U.S. Mm-hmm. That also happened out of nowhere, probably mm-hmm. um, as a result of a few uh, incidents and realizations when I was doing post-graduation. And uh, similarly, Johns Hopkins, uh, which is kind of the biggest dream that also happened because of probably persistence and willingness to reinvent myself. And also, honestly, my husband helped me a lot at that time. So everything taken together. And um, how does it feel looking back? So I I, I still feel that um, there is a lot more to do. But There are times that uh, my parents in particular remind me, uh, you know, of the place where I started from, of the starting point. And then it does seem like a dream that has been possible because of persistence. And Mm. there were lots of hurdles. It did involve taking risks and some of them were totally, totally unplanned. But um, I don't think I've done it alone. My parents, my extended family, my sister, they were all there for me. And in the last several years, my husband and my two lovely daughters have contributed Mm -hmm. so much. So it's been a team effort. That's nice. This story is really, really inspiring. You know, it also encourages me to work hard and achieve my goals. So that's nice. Oh, that's so nice (laughs) of you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So when I was planning to do this interview, I got to know that medical degrees from India uh, need to be upgraded with additional studies in the US and also went from India right. to the US like suddenly and this was like a decision that you made suddenly. So what right, made right. you take this difficult decision to you know go on and do all this extra studies in the US and you know to become a qualified doctor? So the decision to move to US was difficult and it actually came at two levels. One Mm -hmm. was at a patient care level Mm -hmm. um, and I was really looking for a better patient care at that time in my life um, Mm -hmm. and that basically involved spending more time in decision making and explaining that decision to the patient and I was also looking for more comprehensive patient care and somehow I wasn't getting that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was at the patient care level and at my personal level, I was looking for um, higher education and a better work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And U.S. seemed like a better opportunity at Mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. 
yeah and it was very difficult decision for someone like me who is very very emotionally attached to family and mm. to india mm. actually and plan was never to stay here permanently it was always to return back at some point but mm. for some reason for some personal reasons that has not happened yet you know but i am really hoping to give back to the best of my mm-hmm. ability so that was the decision to come to us as far as studying more is concerned that mm-hmm. was never a difficult uh, part <laughs> because yeah the uh, you know once you are in medicine you mm-hmm. are a student for life because you have to keep uh, studying and learning because things are yeah. uh, constantly and rapidly changing and um, you have to be up to date with the recent guidelines yeah. to be best able to manage your patient you have to be able to learn from your colleagues your patients and your own mistakes so once mm. you enter into medicine you are a student for your life so that mm. is not difficult yeah that's nice to hear <laughs> as a, <laughs> like i know that people who want to become doctors or something like i'm like wow you really need to like put in a lot of hard work this you know for any other career path usually it's just like five years after school to study but i'm pretty sure you guys are studying like 10 years extra and then you know you have to do yes uh, studying continuously because a lot of new things come up like right now the pandemic is going on right now so i'm pretty sure a lot right. of people are still right. studying so that's, that's amazing yeah. yeah so as i said right now that we are in a pandemic right now and doctors and right. medical personals like you are fighting for us and saving our lives so thank you so much for that and how does it feel you as a doctor being in this situation and you do also feel scared that you're facing too much risk right now with your personal life i guess yeah so arushi actually that feels like an honor and privilege uh, mm-hmm. honestly and you know that's what we have been trained for and i'm not speaking for myself i'm mm-hmm. actually speaking for the whole medical community mm-hmm. and i'm sure all the doctors and the you know the nurses and everyone in the medical community feels like mm-hmm. that and so when we are young and enter into medicine you know we think about saving lives and not endangering our own and like yeah. a soldier whose whose life is always in danger but mm. when you are in the middle of highly infectious disease pandemic then mm. it's a completely different ball game yeah and imagine our grandparents and for you actually your great grandparents have mm. also not seen a thing like this so probably yeah. four or five generations Mm-hmm. so it's almost a war like situation and mm-hmm. um, you know I'm, i'm sure all the medical professional uh, professionals take pride in saving lives because patient yeah. first is what we learn from day one are we scared to tell you the truth yes because mm-hmm. we are also humans yeah. and uh, especially when this was beginning uh, you know there were a lot of unknowns and when you must have heard in the news media uh, that you know the world was not prepared there was mm. lack of personal protective equipment yeah, so yes yeah. so so we were scared but as we are moving on and gaining more knowledge mm. and we are judiciously able to use personal protective equipment that fear mm. is much much less also we know that none of us is alone we are part of a 
much bigger community. And the fear is not for ourselves. It's much more for the people who are at home to, I mean, yeah. you come home, yeah. you yeah. Bring, bring it home. You know, at the same time, you realize increasingly that the proper precautions, this can be largely prevented. And for mm. me, thankfully, I have young people at home. So my husband and kids, you know, I don't mm. have any elderly living with me. Yeah. At the end, when you have a patient who thanks you and is grateful, that makes your day. That is the greatest achievement. <laughs> so we are happy to do it. If doctors didn't exist, we would, the world would probably end right now. So thank you for, you know, studying all of yeah. this and saving us. You guys are legit the soldiers right now to, you know, keep yeah. us alive. So, that yeah. is so nice of you to say. And, you know, more than doctors, you won't believe it. The nurses are just amazing. Yeah. Hmm. They are doing so much. So, yeah. yeah. But it's just amazing to see that so yeah. many people are, you know, coming together, you know, save each other. And it's really nice to see the positives. Oh, so, yeah. Right. So, with this whole coronavirus pandemic, all of us are taking really different measures from what we used to do before this, our lives was considered normal. And right now, everybody's attending school through online classes, work through online classes. Everything has changed. Mm -hmm. You have to wear masks outside. So yeah. do you think that our life is going to continue to be like this for a really long time, even if this starts to settle down? Like, will we ever get back to our regular life? So, you know, um, I think we will get back to regular life, but no one uh, really knows when. And... Mm -hmm. This is all based on prediction models mm. uh, based on prior pandemics and mm. specifically the one that happened in 1918, the Spanish flu that yeah. affected millions and millions of people. And to that, it has a lot of similarity and it was so long ago. And the thought is that this pandemic won't be halted until about 60 to 70% of the population is immune. Mm -hmm. So basically, there are three possible scenarios. So number one is that in the summer months mm -hmm. and beyond, you may see a series of smaller waves with okay. lower number of infections mm -hmm. that will persist over a period of one to two years. Mm -hmm. And you will need to do social, I mean, you will need to keep maintaining the social distancing measures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The second scenario, which is the worst scenario, is we will get a larger wave of infections this fall and winter. Mm -hmm. And then the more drastic measure of lockdown and shutdown will need to be implemented again. Mm -hmm. And the third scenario, which is the best possible scenario, is a slow burn down of the ongoing transmission. Mm -hmm. So there is only one wave which is currently going on and it will slowly burn down. Mm. So each of these projections could be influenced by development of a vaccine, which yeah. we don't know yet. Mm. And uh, so to answer your question, I think it's going to last for the next several months to mm. possibly, uh, possibly two years. Mm -hmm. And after that, what will be the destiny of the virus? It may become endemic or seasonal like other coronaviruses mm -hmm. and other respiratory viruses mm -hmm. and uh, we may um, start seeing it in fall and every fall and winter with not so much severity yeah. and uh, the second scenario is that it will just get contained after this outbreak and 
maybe appear sometime in future. So there are a lot of unknowns. Mm, that's true. Hopefully yeah. everything becomes fine quickly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, we can just, is all we can yeah. do and yeah. we just keep trying. Yeah. So now we're going to hop back into a time machine and, you know, yeah. go back into the more positive mood and, you know, talk about how your life was when you were 13. So as you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you used to go to Chaivas now, which is a small town. You told me about it. And I'm guessing, as my parents keep on telling me, that you had only one TV channel then. Yeah. So what would you watch when you were 13? So in terms of TV show, right? You know, there was Doordarshan um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there was no live streaming at that time. Yeah. But there were many, many good uh, serials. But two that I remember in particular that I really, really liked. But there were many, actually. But Mm -hmm. Two that I remember. One was Kachi Dhu. It okay. was series by Amol Palekar. He's a actor and director. And mm-hmm. this was few episodes about a single mother and her three teenaged daughters mm-hmm. and okay. their dreams and how they dealt between dreams and real life. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so connected to the real world and it was very, very relatable. And well. it had... Uh, Bhagyashri, I don't know if you know her or not, she mm-hmm. later on went on to um, act in Manipyarkia. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had Ashutosh Govarikar who uh, directed Swades. Oh, okay. uh, they were in the lead roles, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was one. And then I remember um, there was another one called Uran. It mm-hmm. was a um, story of a very strong-willed woman who, who actually beats all odds to become an IPS officer. So that was an excellent, excellent serial. So there were so many of them. I would love to, you know, go maybe find them on YouTube and see what they are. It's very interesting. Yeah, I actually got the Kachidhu from, you know, I got the CDs of Kachidhu a few years ago because Mm. I couldn't find it anywhere else. And I watched Mm. it again. I just... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it does seem different now, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at that time, I would love it. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, yeah, it's nice yeah. to, you know, see something from the past and, like, yeah, the yeah. nostalgic feeling is nice. <laughs> right. So, uh, as you mentioned earlier in your free time, you like to read too. So, uh, when you were 13, what kind of books did you read? So, I um, also read a variety, uh, you know, but honestly, I was more into playing rather than reading mm-hmm. but I Same. did read Enid Blyton everyone reads mm. I yeah. also read a few of Robindranath's classics there used to be Amar Chitra Katha then which mm-hmm. was a which is a graphic story about yeah. um, you know some some cultural and biographics yeah. Yeah. I did read some of those but again I love Malguri days so mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that. So that, yeah. that was my fa- favorite book mm-hmm. even then and even now. Even though like when you were 13, the time was different, I can still relate to what you just said now because I myself also don't read much. But I yeah. do read Amachitra Katha because my parents also told me about them and I have a few about a lot of different uh, you know, stories, of mythological stories about India. And even I read a lot of and it's like great and all. So yeah, that's really yeah. nice. I mean, that if to, according to me, nothing has changed in that perspective. 
Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we have almost reached towards the end of our podcast uh, interview. So one question I ask every guest at the end is, what advice do you have for me and all the others who listen to this show? You know, Arushi, um, you um, actually have such accomplished parents and your generation is so much focused. But since you're asking me, you know, I would say that um, always look to improve and continue to learn Mm -hmm. and um, expect that life is not just success, but there are failures too and learn to deal with failures. Mm -hmm. And uh, when there are difficult situations, take small steps. I also think that it is good to be a little dissatisfied and take risks. It helps you grow. Always find time for things that make you happy and do them uh, because I think a healthy mind is very important. And I'm a doctor, so I would say health is wealth. So exercise and eat healthy. And uh, try to give back to society in any way you can without waiting for that golden day, you know. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for what all of you are doing right now for you know what for the situation we are in. So thank you so much. I love talking thank to you. you and I'm I'm truly inspired by the conversation today and I feel like I should work hard to achieve my goals by oh. talking to you. So thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to relive some of my <laughs> nicest years of life for your show. So yeah, wishing you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of yet another episode of When I Was 13. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I did putting it together. For me, at 13, meeting people and getting to know their world when they were 13 opens up a world that I will possibly never get to know otherwise. Do not forget to subscribe to this podcast on your Android or iPhone. And yes, I am on Instagram. And you can follow me on when underscore I underscore was 13. Catch you soon with yet another interesting conversation on when I was 13.